So here's the thing. I thought about starting this podcast off with just random thoughts that I've had over the course of the week. I don't think Anthony Davis is getting traded. I've said that before. I'm sticking with that. I think unless he asks for a trade directly in a public fashion, and even then, the Pelicans have no reason to grant him that wish. Anthony Davis is under contract through this season and next season. And he is a franchise player. He's a top three player. You don't trade those types of players at a whim. And when you're a small market franchise like the Pelicans, even more so that you desperately want to hang on to that type of talent. The Anthony Davis rumors, those trade rumors to the Lakers, that's, just, that's all they are. They're just rumors. They're not based on facts. They're not based on knowledge. All they've done is they've taken a slow week in sports and made it somewhat interesting because now people are having these debates about a fictional thing that hasn't actually happened. The Lakers have no control over Anthony Davis's future. And here's the thing, guys. Building a franchise is done in stages. And the Pelicans are in a tough spot. But they do have a franchise player in AD. And he's only 25. They have a talented perimeter player alongside him in Drew Holiday, who's only 28. They've got a pick-and-pop big in Miritich. They've got another talented big that can play the four and the five, averages 19-9 and nine a game, and is a candidate for most improved and six men of the year. That's Julius Randle, who, by the way, was on the Lakers last year. And he's only 24. The Pelicans have one of the most versatile front courts in all the NBA. Then add Holiday. And all that they're missing is a point guard. They need someone to run the offense so Holiday can slide over and play the two where he goes from being very good to great. When he's at the two spot, Drew Holiday is elite. So if you're the Pelicans and you have no intentions of trading Anthony Davis, and I believe you when you say that, what you need to do is find a way to put more talent around him. And it doesn't even have to be necessarily some big name star. Just go out and get a functional point guard, someone who can create off the dribble, play defense, and make timely shots. You could go out and get a guy like Jeff Teague, who's kind of an enigma, but when you look at Jeff Teague's career, throughout his career, you can book him for 15 points and 7 assists. Give them someone like Jeff Teague to go along with the four that I mentioned, not to mention add a spot-up shooter. Another weakness on the Pelicans. Again, it doesn't have to be a superstar talent. In a perfect world, they'd get a Bradley Bill, but this world is far from perfect. All I'm saying is, rather than buy into these crazy speculations that Anthony Davis is going to the Lakers, that it's written in stone, if you're Dale Depps, the GM of the Pelicans, I'm looking into what it would take to add a Terrence Ross or even a Justin Holiday. 
Both can defend. Both can hit the three. And both would help the Pelicans be that much better. Both would put the Pelicans back on track to be the same team that they were last year when they slept, they swept, excuse me, the Blazers in the first round. I think in my gut, I truly believe that the Pelicans are going to keep Anthony Davis. And, and let's not forget, Alfred Payton is a talented point guard. His problem is he can't stay healthy. And I think in a perfect world, you wouldn't have Peyton as your starter, but more as a, a backup. I think Peyton in spot minutes, maybe that will protect his body. Maybe he can he can last a little bit longer, but he is a talent, but he's just not durable. Think about a guy like Chris Dunn in Chicago. I know he's young, and my guess is the Bulls wouldn't want to give him up, but you never know unless you inquired at what it would take. Chris Dunn is a defensive beast. He can run a team, and he'd be a great fit for the Pelicans. I think AD is looking for reasons to stay. And it's up to Dell Demps. His job is simple. Provide him with the necessary reasons, the necessary talent around him to want to stay. That's the way I look at it. Another thing I want to get into, fam, is let's talk about the Thunder. Let's give credit where credit is due. OKC is 20 and 10 with the best defense in the NBA. And the Thunder have their own big three with Russ, PG-13, and Steven Adams, along with a super sub and Dennis Schroeder. No question, Russ is still the engine that makes OKC go. We're talking about a guy that's averaging 20, 10, and 10. He's about to average a triple-double for the third year in a row. Look, Russ has his flaws. But anybody that wants to debate whether or not he's a legitimate superstar, I can't talk to you because you don't know ball. But he's not their best player. Their best player this year easily has been Paul George. PG-13 has career highs in points, rebounds, and assists. He's putting up 25 points, 8 rebounds, just under 5 assists a game, 44% from the field, 38 from 3, over 2 steals a game on defense. I gave Paul George the nickname Paul Pippen, and that was back in the 2012-2013 season because I could see the talent. When he was on the Pacers, I could see the talent. And there was no question he was their best player. So when you had him, along with David David West, George Hill, Roy Hibbert, that was a that was a formidable squad, not an all time squad, but it was a really good squad. And that squad went to the Eastern Conference twice. Again, I could see the talent, and his numbers and his production improved each season with the Pacers, but I never saw him as a franchise or superstar player. I saw PG-13 as a great number two. The kind of guy that you wouldn't question him as an all-star, but if he's your best player, I thought the ceiling on your team would be you'd be in the playoffs, but you weren't a title contender. Again, a number two, like a Scottie Pippen. And watching him disappear in the playoffs versus Utah at times last season, it kind of made me think I was right. It kind of made me think I made my own point. 
Paul Pippen is nice, <laughs> but he's not ready for prime time. And then again, when you look at what he's done this season, when you look at the numbers he's put up, the way he's led the Thunder, a lot of people are saying Paul George, Paul George, or Russell Westbrook has stepped back and let Paul George be the man. And I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Russ didn't step back. Paul George stepped up. And he's playing at an MVP level. That's right, I said it, an MVP level. My only question is, will he stay this assertive and this aggressive when the playoffs come around? When, when, it, when it becomes more physical, when you're on the bigger stage. Because if so, if he does that, if he can maintain what he's done thus far in the regular season, the Thunder won't just be a very good regular season team. They're going to be a problem in the playoffs. I've, I've, I've rooted for the Nuggets. Everybody knows that. I ride for the Nuggets. and I'm, I'm not a Nuggets fan. I'm a fan of the game. And most of y'all that's been listening to the cipher, you know, I'm a diehard Lakers fan. That is a fact. Those are just facts. You know this about me. But I'm objective when it comes to grading out this player versus that player, this team versus that team. So I rode for the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are special. I think their young core, along with some of their veterans, I think the Nuggets wants 100%. I'm talking about with Barton back, Isaiah Thomas back, everybody healthy, I think the Nuggets can go on a run. And I'm talking about a deep playoff run. I think the only team that can prevent the Denver Nuggets from meeting the Golden State Warriors in the conference finals are the Thunder. That's a matchup that would be must-see. You'd have Russ, Paul Pippen, Steven Adams going up against the Joker and his squad. And I would love to see that matchup. Furthermore, speaking of great players that aren't getting their due, how can Jokic not be considered an MVP candidate? This is one of those things where it's a numbers thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm the first to admit numbers have value. Numbers are what they are. You, you can't you can't fake the funk on numbers, but numbers, while they're real, they don't tell an entire story. There is context within numbers. Jokic doesn't average 25 or 30 a game, not because he couldn't, but because he's a big who actually they run their offense through. The Joker's averaging just under eight assists a game. That's crazy. And what's even scarier is he's only 23 years old. He hasn't even reached his peak yet. So while I'm quick to point out Paul Pippen, I keep saying that, my bad. Paul George is definitely an MVP candidate and should be getting that recognition that he hasn't gotten thus far. So is Joker. The Joker is a legit MVP candidate. So let's put it up there. Paul George is an MVP candidate along with the Joker, with LeBron, with Giannis, with Steph, 
And to be fair, with KD. Now, if you listen to some of the pundits on TV, they have this narrative that when Steph's out, the Warriors aren't as good than when Steph's there. Well, that's kind of like common sense. They're at full strength. Not to mention, when Steph was out, Draymond was also out. And it was just KD and Clay. I don't want to hear these straw man arguments about, well, they're not as good without Steph. Well, they're not. But here's the thing. It works both ways. This current version of the Warriors, this version that's been around the last two seasons, no KD, no more titles. I'm not going to debate anybody that Steph is actually the engine that makes them run. That Steph, he allows the Warriors to be the Warriors. Steph is the key because of his ability to stretch the floor, to space things out, to make you guard 40 feet in. No problem with that. Anybody that says Steph runs the squad or Steph is one of the reasons that makes them so unique or he's the main reason. I'm not arguing that. I agree with that 100 percent. You want to say Draymond's their emotional leader? To some degree, I agree with that. You want to say Steph is that key guy that makes them what they are? He is. Steph is the guy that when he's on the floor, everybody else is in, in, is in their proper position. Even though he's not their best playmaker, he's that most unique of all their players because of what he can do with his range. That said, he's not their best player. That's still KD. So Steph can put on a show and you can ooh and awe at the 35-foot jumpers, but when it's time to close, that goes to KD. And let me keep it 100, guys. I had every intention of actually coming out today on this episode and talking some NFL. I was actually going to get into my MVP candidates. I was going to talk about the Texans, the Pats, the Chargers, the Steelers, Colts, and the Ravens, and how I thought the AFC playoff picture would ultimately form, how it would all shake out. I even had a big thing about Lamar Jackson. And while I was coming up with what I wanted to put out there on the show, a friend of mine hit me up on social media, and we had a conversation, and then a couple of more people joined in, and It went from a sensible conversation, an objective conversation, to an insane conversation. Here's the thing about this era in all of sports. It seems like to show love or respect or to prop up or acknowledge the greatness of current players And I don't mean in one sport, but in all sports of current players in all sports. You've got to tear down former players. You've got to tear down former greats. In other words, to elevate the current players. And you have to point out any little warts on their careers that you can to make the guy that you want to prop up look that much better. And you can make straw man arguments. And you can use numbers, but I've said this before. Numbers have a role. They have a value. And numbers don't lie, but they never tell the whole story. 
There is context. Remember that. So anyway, a younger young man, I say younger young man like I'm 90, but came into the conversation and he said, he brought up Kobe Bryant and said, Kobe Bryant's one of the most overrated players of all time. And that that made me think the level of disrespect, that's insane. And then he made this odd comparison. Normally, when you want to compare Kobe and bring Kobe down, you bring up LeBron or Jordan or someone like that. But he used Giannis. He used the Greek freak. And he pointed out how he pointed out how Giannis, including this season, has shot over 50 percent from the field four years in a row. The last four seasons. Currently, he's actually shooting 59 percent from the floor. And how Kobe Bryant, for most of his career, shot no better than 45, 46 percent from the floor. And that if the Lakers switched out prime Kobe and gave you this current version of Giannis, who, by the way, I don't think he's in his prime. I don't think he's gotten there yet. Let me give Giannis credit. 26, 12 and six assists. And over a block and a steal per game. He's 24 years old and there's no question there's room for improvement. But I digress. Let me get back to the point. So the conversation, it got insane. And I said, you're right. You're right about everything you said. Giannis shoots a higher percentage. He seems to be more efficient. And yet there's context. Giannis, almost all his baskets come from the restricted area. He didn't have a jump shot. He didn't have a mid-range jump shot. He can't shoot the three. By the way, he's shooting less than 20% from the three this season. Think about that. He shoots less than 20% from three, but still shoots 59% from the floor. So, do you really think Giannis is a better shooter than Kobe Bryant? Of course not. When you get the majority of your baskets from dunks and layups and stickbacks like a center would or most big men would, you're going to shoot a higher percentage. Newsflash, like I told this cat. Fam, DeAndre Jordan shoots 59, 60-something percent a year every year. But he can't actually shoot. And while Giannis is a beast, a universal talent, he can't shoot. How are you going to compare him to someone with the footwork, the skill set of Kobe. Guess what? Kobe shoots a lot of jump shots. He he always did. Even when he was younger and he was coming up and he had the crazy hops and he was number eight, shot a jump shot. Now, obviously, as he got older, he leaned on his jumper more. Well, when you shoot jump shots, jump shots are a lot more difficult than threes. Not to mention Kobe was the master of taking the tough contested jump shot. I'm not here to say that Giannis is not a great player or won't one day be a Hall of Fame player. I I don't know. I think he's certainly on the path to that. But his career is playing out. But to say because you saw a number that says he shot over 50 percent four years in a row that he's better than Kobe Bryant, that he's a better player than Kobe Bryant. That's insane. Remember this. There's context. As good as Giannis is, and 
this is going to sound like I'm dissing Al Horford. I think Al Horford has been rock solid. I would say that Al Horford is like a modern day Buck Williams in, in this NBA. Obviously, he shoots the three and Buck played 12 feet in, but just a rock solid pro. You can book Al Horford for 15 points, nine rebounds, three or four assists. That's just who he is. That's what he does. It's in his DNA. Rock solid. But as great as Giannis is, he couldn't beat Al Horford in a series. He couldn't. And it's not like the Celtics were loaded. The team that they played last year, talking about the Bucs in the playoffs, that Boston team, their best player was Al Horford, who was surrounded by a first-year player, a couple second-year players, and a third-year player. Giannis had Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, who, by the way, should have been an all-star last year, probably should be an all-star this year, but you had that along with Henson, along with Thon Maker, along with Brogdon, and you lost that series. Let's fall back on comparing current all-star talent, a guy who's on a superstar elevator. I'm not even denying that he's on his, road, on his path to being a superstar. Maybe he's there now, but he's definitely not the best player in the league. And to compare Giannis to Kobe Bryant with Kobe Bryant's resume, that's just a disrespect to Kobe Bryant. When you're comparing greats, and this isn't a compare, and that's the odd thing, Giannis isn't a great, not yet. He's got to get there. He's got to build up that resume. He's got to earn that clout. A lot of guys put up monstrous numbers in the regular season in all sports. And a lot of guys, when the lights are brightest, when it matters the most, are not the same players. Giannis was very good in that series, but he wasn't the best player in that series. I've seen many players in different sports not so great. This year, everybody is riding high on Phillip Rivers, who's had a great career numbers-wise. But I've seen Phillip Rivers fall apart in the playoffs many times. So to, let's, let's not, to me, when we're talking about great players in any sport, baseball, basketball, football, you have to look at the entirety of their career, not just numbers, but what they did, who they did it against, and who they played alongside. You've got to put all that together. And then were they the best player? Did they lead? Did they step up? Do they have signature moments? Now, he said Giannis got a signature moment. He dunked over Tim Hardaway Jr., and I told him that was a great dunk, and that was a great moment within the regular season. He don't have any signature moments. Signature moments are Kobe going for 81. Signature moments are, are what Kobe did in game four versus the Pacers in the finals. Those are signature moments. Signature moments are when Jordan hit those six threes in the first half against the Blazers in the finals. When he did that, that layup versus the Lakers where he extended then switched it to his left hand, that's a signature moment. So while I'm objective, I think it's fun to look at some of the younger talent coming up and admire them for what they've done. 
I think that guys like Giannis, Anthony Davis, even though LeBron's older, he's still right there. And Steph and KD. There are a lot of great players and we should acknowledge that. But in acknowledging their greatness, let's not work so hard to tear down other greats just because we want to elevate them. I am going to do another episode before Christmas and hopefully I can do one and we can get into some football since H and them um, haven't really been been on as much. You know what? I got broad shoulders. I'll carry that. I'll talk some NFL. FYI, if you don't already know, I'm a diehard Niners fan. So that's me keeping it 100 because we're not very good. But there's a lot of young talent on both sides of the ball. And they've got some draft picks and they've got some money. So to me, Jimmy G comes back. He'll be 100%. But by the way, the young man that's been playing quarterback, Mullins has stepped up. He's been balling. So I'm not saying there's a quarterback controversy. I'm just saying that Jimmy G getting hurt was not a good thing. But when you see the potential from this young quarterback, he has value now. And that's not a bad thing. Anyway, going to do another show, fam. I appreciate all you guys' responses. I know normally we do, we also do Facebook answers, questions, responses. And if I have the time tomorrow, you know how hectic it is, fam. It's the 22nd of December. So um, I was under the weather the other day, but now I got to catch up. I'm behind the eight ball when it comes to Christmas shopping, but I'm going to get on that. So Facebook fam, YouTube people. Love y'all. Good looking out. Shout out to the Anchor group. Shout out to the Anchor app. Um, They actually have a new thing on Anchor. I want to keep it 100 that you can do like little spots for commercial with sponsors. So I'm actually going to engage in that more on the other side of the holiday. But again, I will be back. It's the Cypher. Thanks for listening. Next time.